Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby picker. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Who cares? Who knows? Why bother? Welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. I'm BT and I'm here with a very special guest. Calling in is John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. How are you, John? BT, I'm so excited that I get to say Pick'em. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll definitely have you say it at the end uh, to wrap us up. That was up. terrible. That but was terrible. I, there may have been a voice crack, but you, it's good <laughs> that you practice. Um, either way, I'm happy you're hopping on because we're going to talk PR7s today. It seems to be oh. kind of the staple of, of the Summer 7s season, um, and they've expanded this year to five total tournaments. Um, but, you know, in general – sevens 15s i feel like there's always a bit of a divide in the crowd but have you have you ever thought you know about the economic model of of sevens versus 15s and we can dive a bit more into pr but like i've heard a lot of talk that it's certainly like more fun to watch for a new fan right it's fast paced there's games all day but you know one of the things that always killed me was when tournaments were like 10 hours long it seems PR is kind of changing that. What do you think of their straight into the semis um, setup they got going? I like it because you you get one to your overall point. Yes, I think sevens is more accessible for like your casual rugby fan or someone who's maybe entirely new to the sport. You know, they see these athletes running around, quick paces, maybe a tackle here or two, and you're thinking, oh man, I can run out and do that, right? And Short format, super fast games. I love it. So to answer your question about, um, you know, shorter times, like like to the semifinals, I dig it because, you know, the some of those group those group pool matches, right, in the H, you know, HSBC Seven series, right? They're they're fun and they're entertaining, but some of them, you know, you kind of kind of got you kind of know the outcome before the game starts. And here, man, right in the semifinals, the intensity from the from the gun, you win. You move to the finals. If you don't, you're in the consolation. Right? It does. So I like it it, it like has that jump. sudden death vibe. Yeah, for sure. Now we've we've gotten four tournaments under our belt. They they expanded to five total this year, but they basically made an Eastern and a Western Conference final. And we can jump yeah. into some of the team names, which are pretty funny. But the reality is, you know, with this economic model, it seems like they're following the PLL. For those that don't know, yeah. that's the Premier Lacrosse, where there really are no home teams. Yes, they've tried to kind of um, phase in some geographical relevance to the team names and they've seemed to align with some host stadiums maybe that they've signed multi-deal multi-year deals with um but in general like i gotta think this is a lower overhead model of a professional league right compared to mlr where you know you're carrying those guys on your salary books for at least six months of the year you're housing all your players for at least six months of the year for pr it's like it's probably booking a lot of flights, but at the same time, it's like, hey, five weekends, five venues, let's figure this out. Yeah, exactly. In in, in the summertime when traditionally, you know, so the, the venues that they picked, and I like the locations too, right? Like Minneapolis, Minnesota, very fascinating when that was announced because 
I didn't know Minneapolis to be like a, a rugby hotbed. And here I'm getting checked because our boy Nate Osberger is from kind of the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, right? So fascinating there, fascinating that they went to Pittsburgh. I know you've got some love for the Steel Toes, which is a great name, by oh, the yeah. way. Uh, um, but yeah, and if you look at the venues that they selected, I think they're, for the most part, MLS stadiums. I think the Pittsburgh one was a, a USL, so I guess maybe like a minor league for, for MLS, right? So stadiums that aren't too big, don't entirely dwarf, you know, attendance there. And, and if you watch the one at Pittsburgh, it seemed like, well, the weather was fantastic. Super cool with the train and the bridge and all that. Like Pittsburgh, great drinking town, by the way. I know we're getting off topic here, but now the bridge begins there's town, some so. love. It's it's good. I think they showed <laughs> out. Maybe the fans were just closer to the mics, but it sounded like like it was packed. Um, I heard yeah. two to three thousand, but then again, I heard you know the opening week in Texas had you know almost five thousand, but you're sitting there at Q2 Stadium or whatever it is and. You know, it's got way too many seats. So you can never really get it perfect. Whenever I see someone playing a small stadium, it's like, oh, we should be servicing a bigger crowd. And then when it's too big, it's like, they can't sell any tickets. So if, if you're not going to own your own stadiums, you'll never get it perfect. Um, but the real question here is like, Owen Scannell is is the money backer behind this league. Is he just treating it like venture capital where he's got a certain amount of cash to just spend every year and, and paying players or are they actually making some money back with the merch with selling tickets on the day of because i gotta think that they're losing money just like the mlr but maybe not as at an aggressive rate um do you think though it can continue to expand or is five tournaments really all a summer can handle yeah, that's a really good question. I gotta think, you know, I'd love to know how much money is is behind Premier Rugby Sevens and kind of what that burn rate is, right? Like, how long can they hold out for it? And what are the business metrics, right? Because you, you can't imagine that they're making a lot of money from, from ticket sales, right? So where else is the money coming from? Yeah, you're probably making some game day concessions and some, you know, some merchandise there. And certainly they're, they're trying to really draw in the crowd that's watching through what, Fubu TV or through YouTube. And you can kind of look at the streaming numbers on on YouTube and some of the people that are watching. I think the uh, the Pittsburgh one streaming had around 5,000, which isn't too bad. But you brought up a really good point about spending money, right? And I thought it was really interesting the number of like big-name players that came in this season, right? Like Stacey Walker, for example, and you know Ruby Tui. You know, and now seeing them being involved, um, seeing the return of Ben Pinkelman is really cool. But what I thought was fascinating about bringing those New Zealand stars over is that, you know, maybe the play here is is really in right in in professional sports and in college sports. It's all in the, the multimedia rights, right? The the, the media exposure, the, the broadcast deals. Is there a play? to try and get more international attention, meaning Stacey Walker goes, Stacey Walker goes back home, right, tells her friends and everyone back in New Zealand, fellow players, like, hey, come check out PR7's summer over there. Yeah, Make, and maybe Kiwis love the, money. Yeah, Kiwis love to vacation here in the summer, too. Yeah, um, exactly. I hear what you're saying. The attention of some media companies broadcast companies in Australia and New Zealand that says, hey, we're interested in carrying the rights of Premier Rugby Sevens 
is that an avenue to generate some money as you try and grow the game domestically with the fan festivals and getting the crowd and stuff? I don't know. I mean, again, just speculating here, but you know, I, I thought it was really fascinating. People, a number of top high quality players that have started to come in this summer and, um, hope that, uh, they're tracking kind of what the PLL, as you mentioned, are doing and figuring out that barnstorming model and the right venues and making it a festival and hoping the weather knock on wood, <laughs> you know, uh, is sunny and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. I think I think the, the play is trying to get broadcast right. Yeah, and and you know what? Like, we know how competitive the sporting eyeball market is here in the states, right? Where like even MLR for finals paying for a Fox Sports slot or a CB, CBS Sports, whatever they are, they're they're kind of going for a bigger group, right? That's going to hopefully stumble across the game. So. <clears throat> Maybe the play is long term to expand to international markets. I mean, the game of sevens itself seems pretty popular. Um, it's probably not going to have like a fifteen World Cup draw, but at the same time, it's it's an easy way to kind of uh, school up Americans pretty quick. Be like, this guy's going to run and he's going to try and score, and every tackle pretty much is going to be a dogfight for the ball. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the games themselves have been. There's been a couple blowouts, but Mm -hmm. it's usually a a really competitive game, right? Because coaches know they really have one or two chances to make some impact subs. But, you know, if if you lose that first game on the first weekend, you're already so behind in the point standings. And I thought it was pretty interesting how they divvied out their points. So for four potential finishes, they award 13 for a first-place finish, six for a second-place finish, three for a third, and a single point for last place. So you really you can't accomplish much unless you win your tournaments. Um, and luckily yeah. for the Steel Toes, my guys, um, they were able to take home their home tournament when they had no choice. They knew they had to go 2-0. and They knew they had to you know, win the final in order to head to D.C., and it was an amazing game. They were down 19 nothing, and... Uh, Big Pink stepped up, took a couple restarts, got the go forward, and they eventually won 21-19. But one of the more exciting uh, game of sevens that I've seen in a while. Uh, I was super stoked for the boys because, you know, now they get to go against the best of the West uh, come August 5th. Now, John, for our PR final uh, coming up in a few weeks, can you you bring us into what it's like – to see a rugby event in DC because I know there's been some good ones, but there's also been some stinkers too. <laughs> Which stinker in mind are you talking well, about? Well, I know the Wales South Africa game <laughs> didn't sell nearly as many as it should. Um, and then I don't know, maybe when we played in FedEx Field and got our shit kicked in by the All Blacks, perhaps that game. You know what? So I was I was at that game, and I and I will say that. Um, yeah, the result obviously was not great. Like getting scored on by New Zealand with by that many points, uh, certainly not fun. Hey, man, we scored two tries against New Zealand though. First That's time ever, true. right? That was that was awesome to see. I will say though, the crowd was into it, and it was a decent crowd there at FedEx Field. And if you've ever been to FedEx Field, oh, I have. It's a dump. 
You have. You've yeah. had the misfortune of being there. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I figured I my brother lives in D.C., so I'm like, let's go to the game before they knock it down. Um, I think we went to, like, <laughs> Jets, Jets Skins, or, uh, sorry, Jets Commanders. Um, I think at the time they were the football <laughs> team. torture. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's not a nice stadium, which brings us to Audi Field. Bit of an upgrade, yeah. huh? Tell us about it. Audi Field is 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 awesome, and I think uh, a perfect venue for PR Sevens and a perfect venue, I think, to host a Rugby World Cup pool game sometime in 2031 or 33 because the stadium is in a hip, fun area now. It's right across the street from Nationals Park um, where the, the, base, the Washington Nationals play. You are right along the water there, but the stadium itself, there's one um, end zone that's basically vertical. So you're like right over the action. If you've ever watched an XFL game, the the, the DC Defenders or the Washington XFL team, they're known for, this is pretty funny, the fan base will make uh, a snake out of beer cups. Oh, yeah. And the snake has gotten, you know, like 100 feet long, if not more, right? And they drink beers and they stack it up. It's fantastic. But it's a, it's a great venue. It's pretty new. I'm like four or five years. DC United plays there. Washington Spirit plays there. It's a great venue. It's metro accessible, which is important. There is a little section for some tailgating. You're right down the walk from some nice bars and restaurants if you want to have a little make a day of it or a night of it. But the stadium itself, the venue, is, is, is dynamite. And it should be a great and perfect venue for PR sevens championship. I just hope that the weather holds because <laughs> August in Washington DC can be hot and humid. And then you can get a freak thunderstorm that comes through. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen. It's like mid eighties and sunny. Cause then it'll be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I coached at Colorado school of mines at the, NCR sevens and unfortunately uh, yep. we got a big yeah. lump of rain that just sat over the venue for a day so I know how it can be it can get pretty wet there but at the same time like you said that that section of DC is all spiffed up I got to give my boys at uh, Swizzler a shout out that's a little uh, startup food truck I, w- I used to help them out must have been back in 2013. They were slanging dogs out of a food truck. Now they got their own brick and mortar um, right there in, in the Navy Yard area. So yep, hopefully yep. PR7 fans rolling up will, will be hankering for a dog or a burger and they'll pop in. But, you know, awesome. what can we expect from the play? Well, the Pittsburgh Steel Toes have punched their ticket. And we're, we're talking the men's right now. Uh, the Texas team also punch their ticket from the west or from the east i really get confused here um because you know we could list all the teams i mean do, do you like the branding in general i mean is it funny to you because like i've heard people say the team is the best name ever and the stupidest kind of just like what the hell are we talking about team name so I, what are your thoughts right, well, I, I- yeah, so at first, my initial reaction was, oh, man, this is ridiculous. But it's kind of grown on me. And, again, I come from cheering from a team, a football team, who used to be called the Washington football team. And I preferred that over the commanders. <laughs> but <laughs> I here's my thought on, on the, the team names is that when you're kind of a, a niche and growing sport, you've got to do something that's a little bit unconventional. you got to kind of stand out in a way and 
and some of these team names are kind of creative. Like, I love the headliners, like Nashville, right? Like country music. Like, I totally get that. Star players, headliners. That makes sense to me. The local sevens, the local subway, you know, the Iron Horse in New York. That makes sense to me. Steel Toes in Pittsburgh. That makes perfect sense. I had to look up what a loony was. And oh, yeah. Get it out. <laughs> but, it's a nice uh, little Canadian bird, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that that's kind of like representing Minnesota and the Great Lakes. So yeah, they, they did some nice regionality here. Now one thing I noticed, and it, it's all about rights and sponsorship, right? Like Rhino's Rugby. Um, I know it's yeah. like um, a South African guy kind of set up in San Clemente who's really trying to grow the game and, and do it kind of that formalized academy way. But they must have paid somebody in PR to officially link up with the loggerheads because Don Stanford was like clockwork. Every I feel like twice a game, every game, he had to be like, Rhino's Rugby brought to you by – and there was like <laughs> their brand got plugged. Um, first off, I'm, I'm up for anybody who's just throwing their money at rugby, so yeah. this isn't a shot yeah. at Rhino's. I just think it's funny that you clearly had all of like the PR branded stuff and then Rhino's like – we're like, you know what? Why don't we link up with the color of the loggerheads, and we'll just go ahead and run that franchise for you. Exactly. Dallin on the on the call sheet had Rhinos Rugby in caps lock. Every time you had to mention yes. loggerheads, you had yes. Rhinos Rugby. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> but it's it's been an exciting you know season. Like I said, I, I really enjoy watching the Steel Toes play because a lot of my Denver Barbarian buddies um, are on that team, and the coaches that I came up playing and playing under um, were promoted to run that team. So I'm stoked that the Steel Toes are through. Um, they'll be taking on the Texas team uh, featuring another friend, Zach Bastris, right, who just got off a great season with New yeah. England. Um, but in the women's conference, we had the locals and headliners moving through. So there you go. I, I think they're giving a total championship um, on total points, but I really think it would be kind of rotten if you were like the men and the woman were qualifying together, right? Like, say a woman's team like came in first and the men's team came in fourth, and you didn't go because of that. I would be pretty rotten. So I'm glad they kind of split it up, even though both teams are obviously competing for the best result. Um, but like you said, they they the the Kiwi girls who came in, uh, Ruby Tui, um, I think she's playing for the retrievers in the west um but that final locals the headliners those are clearly the top two women's teams in the east um i think the team and the steel toes given that they're new or they expanded uh just need a little work on the women's side and again we got to remember these are just these are just players coming together and coaches trying to create magic mm -hmm. in the <laughs> two and a half days that they get them i will give pr credit though they're good at like getting their players together, throwing on the jerseys, taking a shitload of pictures and media content, yeah. and then dripping it out, you know, throughout the tournaments. And why not, right? Um, if you have a traveling circus model and the circus is together, roll the camera. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, it's funny, I got a, uh, I got a local tie to the local sevens. So my high school wrestling coach, Mr. Tom Owens, plays for... Uh, local i think he still plays might be an old boy at this point uh local rugby club rocky gorge uh located in like howard county maryland his daughter jetta owens plays for the local sevens 
Okay, nice. There we go. Well, yeah, that's so what you'll be calling for, for the women's in the final. Um, I'm looking over in the West, and it looks like the loonies and experts went through for the women's. Um, and in the men's, it's the experts and the rhino loggerheads got through. And that was interesting to me because, like, rhinos came fourth in their opening week. So they really had to win it and needed help, and I think they got it, right? They, they needed the experts to also win, and then they beat the experts in the final. So um, an interesting squad. I mean, there's crazy talent. Um, some South Africans who, who played on the HSBC tour are with Rhinos. Um, the experts have guys who have competed at the highest club level for so long. I know the coach for NAV uh, runs that team. Um, but there's some ballers there, and I think if mm-hmm. you're a D.C.-based rugby fan, I don't care how hot it is. Get your ass out there. You That's know? right. That's Buy a true. ticket. They've made it interesting where you, you, you don't have to be there for hours on end. You know, I think yeah. they have four, war- four you know, games to start, a nice little musical act to give the guys a break, and then four games to end it. So... It really is a whole lot of action packed into one thing. I know I'll be watching, um, but I really hope DC shows out. Look, I'll tell you what, I'm about 99% sure I'll be there. I love it. That's cold, great odds. Cold beer in hand. That's great odds. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting up with a couple of buddies uh, that I know I'm going to try and meet up with Tom Owens, who I just uh, mentioned there. And look, man, look. One of the, one of the, the best storylines I think so far out of Premier Rugby Sevens is just seeing the return of Ben Pingleman to the field, man. Particularly if he wants to take a run at trying to um, help the, the men's sevens qualify for the Olympics. I mean, like the way he had to exit rugby with the back injury, and I'm sure that tore him up. And now he's out there, shaved head, beard going, running around out there. I mean. He's looking pretty, pretty, pretty good out there. I'd love to see if he gets a chance to compete and try and make that Olympic team. I know that there's probably a lot that needs to happen, but I mean that story alone, that story alone has been. Well, I think you're barking up the right tree because I can only tell you my firsthand account. He was back in Denver. We got some awesome Barbo Sevens tournaments in, and then he hopped in his van and drove back to San Diego, uh, man on a mission. So. Let's uh, let's hope he keeps progressing and and all those those wishes come true because, you know, I'm biased. He's a good friend, but there's no better dude you want leading the squad than Pinky. I mean, the guy like doesn't shy away from the grit work. Super snappy with the right left hand pass and just sees the field really well. So, um, any team would be lucky to have him. But, you know, I think as as we look towards the final and and as we look down the line. Um, John, we're in a bit of a particular spot right now. Um, we have not qualified for the Paris Summer Olympics yet, um, but we have a chance to beat Canada and remind the world that we're at least the best North American country on the Sevens Tour. Uh, what can you tell us about Rand Sevens in Victoria? Yeah, Victoria, that's, man, that's right around the corner, which is uh, crazy to think about. Um, and it's it's. I guess it's unfortunate. U.S. men have, have found themselves in the situation. Of course, U.S. women have been crushing it, and they're going to be real medal contenders uh, for the Olympics. U.S. men, I think, 
Let's be honest, they weren't even close to top four. It's not like they came fifth or sixth. They were they were down. Well, they started off pretty well. They had a couple back to back tournaments where they replaced. I think like they made the semifinals. The young guys were coming together. You're like, okay, you know, things are starting to click a little bit. And then I think there was a couple injuries and just a couple of bad breaks, and and they kept running into New Zealand and. You know, I definitely um, went south on them, right? Um, and now here they are staring down a RAN tournament here in August where they were probably like, we do not want to send our best squad to this, but now they have to, right? Because got to qualify for the Olympics. I mean, missing out on the Olympics a year after the 15th men missed out on a Rugby World Cup, I mean, talk about it. It would be devastating. Game. It would be devastating. But it's not going to happen. I, th- I think I think we're going to whoop that ass. I think Canada's been down as well. Um, we can only hope, right, that they move on because the Olympics draw not just certain eyeballs, you know, to the game, but our funding, man. You know, yeah. we need every dollar coming into every form of USA Rugby that we can possibly have. Um, otherwise, it's going to be tough times, right, because – just because we've gotten this World Cup bid in, in 31 and 33 doesn't mean, you know, that's going to be just some huge cash payout that comes back to us. we we got to figure out a way to keep our national teams funded, to make sure that our professional models like MLR and PR7s are, are growing and staying solvent. Um, we were talking off camera before, but, you know, We've seen ownership groups basically come out and ask, be like, um, we could use some money infusion, right? Just just throwing it out there <laughs> to, to the general venture capitalist world. Um, rugby, rugby's a, a tough business, I think, to, to stay super solvent in. You know, we've seen that with a lot of these like premiership teams almost yeah. folding after hundreds of years of history. You know, they owe like back taxes and can't get their players paid. Do you think it's all doom and gloom, or do you think we can figure out a way to get people paid, put out a good product, and keep the ball rolling? I've got faith in in, in the backing of American ingenuity, man. Yes. To figure this out. Free market. Yeah. This out. And I will say, you bring up a really good point, though, because we talked a little bit earlier in the episode about you know, sevens, I feel like, is, is, a, is a easy gateway for athletes from other sports to be like, hey, what is this rugby thing, right? And, and, and sevens, and I'm not suggesting it's this easy, but you, you've seen athletes... Especially sprinters. Yeah. But, like, it's, you, can, you, can, you can take athletes from other sports, seemingly, like, kind of get them up to speed, so to speak, and and try and quickly get their rugby IQ up, but you can let their athleticism and stuff like that from other sports kind of help them be successful in rugby sevens. And if if the men's sevens team doesn't qualify for the Olympics, I feel like you're you're, you're shutting off a potential avenue for some of these top athletes that maybe aren't can't cut it college football anymore, or don't feel like hanging around a practice squad. And you know they see they see they hear the story of Perry Baker and Carlin Isles and. You know, David Still, and they're like, well, crap, man, I want to give this a go. Yeah, I mean, so. representing your country is like, it hits different, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, I've never been selected for jack shit, but <laughs> I, I think compared to even making a football practice squad, it's like putting on the red, white, and blue, that's just 
a different type of feeling. So yeah, it's crucial that you know we stay relevant in the Olympics. Uh, we cannot take a step back. So I'm putting all my mental eggs in in the USA Sevens basket. Um, and I think a nice weekend of PR and and some key guys who clearly will get called up into that RAN tournament. Um, you can guarantee Mike's Mike Friday is going to be watching it and evaluating, right? Because it really is some of the best of the best. Um, and I know at least when I was watching the Retrievers, the the California Retrievers, what a, what a name and a logo. Um, guys like Talapusi, um, you know, players who have been kind of integral in the past couple of years were getting big minutes. And man, that 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 Western final in san jose seemed to run a little hot uh guys certainly were like looking totally exhausted like they could barely breathe and think um but that's part of sevens right you kind of get ground down to your core um and you know you 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 don't rise to the occasion you fall to your highest level of preparation um that's kind of how i see it so it's it's interesting man i think there are some absolutely just like crazy skilled players out on the the circuit right now um i think the loonies didn't advance but kahanu koi is just a guy who's gonna make some beautiful brilliant plays week in and week out and uh david hightower for the steel toes um yeah he comes from a track background and he actually came up in in the the beltway uh elite sevens um so true true to the uh that's what you guys call it, right? The Beltway, the D.C. area? That's right. Okay, That's right, good. Baby. Just wanted to make sure my lingo was, was good there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for those that don't know, John Fitzpatrick does the rugby morning every day. You can wake up and read what's going on. You don't just do USA Rugby, though. You pretty much get as many rugby touch points as possible. I got to admit, John, I don't always read through, but when I need a That's link, I'm, go- I'm searching your email. Because even just all those links to our U18 uh, team playing out in Kenya, I was like, oh, thank you, Rugby Morning. Every day I wake up and it's right there in my box and I can watch it on my own terms. Basically, if you work on a computer every day and you like rugby and you have not subscribed to the Rugby Morning, you're a jackass. <laughs> what's been, uh, what's been you know, what you like about doing a newsletter? Yeah, I think um, I think maybe just getting back in, into the sport and uh, appreciating all the people like yourself, man, who've just been—I hate to say—cranking out content, but you guys, have, you know, from guys like Brian Ray to Alex Goff to yourself to Colton, right? Everyone who's you know the, the the fan podcasters for some of these MLR teams who just invest so much of their their time and effort. And their passion into it. It's really cool to sh- to basically reshare what they're doing anyway, but kind of connect with them and, and chat with them. Uh, I've had a ton of fun doing that, and it's kind of like reignited a uh, passion for the sport after I took some time off from it. But um, and my my aim in all of this is is not to go super deep, right? Like I don't have the brain power to like do essays on on rugby, and I don't think people want to read it. But it's like, hey. What's a quick little t- takeaway if you want to catch up in five minutes about, hey, what's going on, right? Like, that's kind of my, what I'm aiming to do. Um, 
So I appreciate those kind of words, man. You're the perfect hype man. No worries, man. Like I said, it's like a go-gurt for rugby information. It's it's out the door. <laughs> it's quick. It's in your hand. It's. Uh, I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal that tagline. <laughs> That'll be the new tagline. Yeah. No, but it's awesome. Um, subscribe for the newsletter if you haven't. And um, you know, before we wrap up, I mean, what uh, what should fans what should fans look to do as as we come through this home stretch towards the World Cup? I know we're not playing in it. It's kind of a bummer. But are you uh, are you feeling a certain way about a certain team? Are you going to put in some future odds, or do you just like enjoying the games? I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do my picks as always. Um, I, I will say, I'm kind of excited about the direction. I feel like there's a good vibe right now around Scott Lawrence and what he's trying to do with the men's Eagles program right now. And the three matches that they have coming up in August against three teams that have qualified for the Rugby World Cup, right? So Romania, Portugal, and I think Georgia, maybe. Yeah, you think we can go two and one? I think I think we got a shot at it. I think one. I think we might have a shot at at two, and I think we put in a good showing for all three, simply because I think they have to almost put out a good effort to show progress and also show like, hey, we know we effed up by not qualifying for the Rugby World Cup, and we're going to give these nations who are in it a freaking run for their money because we're building something here we're like the Phoenix maybe you know trying to you know fly off from from death and not making a road World Cup but, you know I can see this being a really interesting rematch tour for the USA Mad Eagles and you know I think they got a big good shot at, at beating Romania and I think they yeah can, ideally they we beat Romania and Portugal and, and we play Georgia tough like you know yeah. again 3-0 and would be amazing and It'd be a great way for Scott to kind of stamp his mark and say, I'm not just your interim, I'm the guy. But yeah. everybody forgets, you know, Gary Gold started 10-0, and 0, right, before yeah. everything post-COVID ended up happening. So, you know, coaching is a really tough, especially coaching the Eagles, right, where everybody and their mother is like, well, why aren't they selecting these guys? Or here's how you fix this broken union. Like, it probably is the hardest job. In rugby, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I could be biased because I'm all, you know, up in my feelings about the bankruptcies and where we should be, and you know, the time spent, so to speak. Um, but I think Scott Lawrence is the guy for the job. I think he totally shook up the player pool when he announced right who was gonna be in camp. Seeing guys like Luke White, who have grinded in the MLR for so long, Mason Peterson in camp, like that excites me. Um, you know, I like new blood in a camp. It's I would love to be a fly on the wall right now when they go live, right, in their sessions. Um, I think they're training in Charlotte right now, if I'm not mistaken. But it's, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a spicy fall for the men's Eagles. And even though they're technically just, you know, regular test matches without any super big implication, you bet your ass everybody's watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, sweet, man. I'm fired up. August is stacked with some good stuff. Uh, we got PR sevens finals. We got the club sevens championships. Let me actually, you know, ask you about one more thing. And I'm extremely biased in here, and I'll tell you how I feel about it. But did you know there's been a change uh, by the club council to uh, a professional player cap for club sevens nationals? You can only have four pro players on a 13-man squad. 
um, and you can do a fifth if they're a homegrown player. And a pro player is an MLR player or a PR7s player. And I see what they're trying to do with this rule, but I think they've royally fucked it. Um, so, yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell me what do you think about a pro player cap? I think it's absurd. I think I guess the best players should they, play. Yeah, I, I, what, what are they trying to do with the rule? What are they I think to they're trying to maintain amateurism, as lame as that sounds, um, and make it so that, you know, a team like, you know, the Barbos or Nav or Belmont Shore or Old Blue or any of these powerhouses don't roll up with, you know, 9 to 10 to 11 professionals. The fact is, I just think a PR7s player on a one-off tournament shouldn't be labeled a pro, right? A lot of these guys have full-time jobs and they just like playing, you know, high-level sevens in the summer. I can see having a cap on full-blown MLR guys, right? Um, But unfortunately, this has hit my team super hard this year, right? Because we now are... We had to pick five pros out of a pool of seven, and it just—it just seems wrong, John. It's just wrong. Oh, I see. You know, selectors should just pick the best guys. They shouldn't have to worry about fucking club council rules. Um, <laughs> but like, is there anything to like pr- protecting amateurism? Like, haven't the clubs always like found a way to get the best guys on their club? I don't know. It's, I guess I feel like I feel like there's always drama. Why is there always drama? It's because people care more about their clubs than than other things. It's like, I don't know, especially for Club 7s, I always feel like there's good chat, and um, it's going to be a great tournament. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, the yeah. Madison Rugby Club just built their own clubhouse, four beautiful grass pitches. Um, so, yeah, I'm stoked. That's going to be in mid-August. Then we got Rand 7s, and then we got all these Eagle tests. So, August August is looking to be quite juicy. It's going to be very juicy, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much for hopping on. I know you're on the East Coast. You're staying up late for the content, but I love the hustle. Respect it. And, um, yeah, any uh, bold predictions on who's going to be your men's PR7s championship? Men's PR7s championship. I'm going to go with... um it's hard not to back the Steel Toes here. I know that's your your team, but um, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go just so we can hear down Stanford say Rhinos Rugby Loggerheads. Okay, there you go, Rhinos Rugby <laughs> Loggerheads in the men's and in the women's. We're gonna have the locals headliners facing the loonies and experts. Give me the loonies. Why not? They got a weird looking bird as their logo. It's uh, it's fitting that a team with that would, would win it all. But really been good stuff. I hope the players get paid. They seem to be getting taken care of. But it's interesting. Like I think they're going to get their total payout at the end of the summer because they've said it's like based on how you finish, right? Kind of like PGA stuff. Um, so hope everybody gets paid. I hope the yeah. fans pack it out in D.C. and um, – John, I think with that, you got to take us out and uh, wrap us up with voice crack pick em. I know, I got to totally redo myself after <laughs> that debacle of the first pick em, so let me try that again. Pick em! Pick em!
and you have not subscribed to the Rugby Morning, you're jackass. <laughs>So I'm stoked that the Steel Toes are through. Um, They'll be taking on the Texas team. A snake out of beer cups. Like to the semifinals, I dig it. So we can hear Dallas Stanford saying Rhinos Rugby Loggerhead. Man, I want to give this a go. Got a local tie to the local sevens. Rugby morning, every day you can wake up and read what's going on. you know, the Iron Horse in New York. That makes sense to me. Steel Toes in Pittsburgh, that makes perfect sense. I had to look up what a loony was. That was a joke. There may have been a voice crack. That's good. And that's good. You do it really well. And cut.